course, I do mean to enrich your life, but that doesn't say enough. It's virtually saving your life with praise. Psalm 147, a psalm devoted to praise. And you'll notice as you go th- as we go through how he toggles between praising him for his salvation and praising him for his creation. And it kind of goes in that order, almost as though as he praises him for what he does for them personally, it makes you think of the larger power of God as the creator of all things and sustainer of all things. But we're going to focus really on the first verse as it talks about the goodness and pleasantness of praise. Praise the Lord, for it is good to sing praises to our God. It is pleasant and a song of praise is fitting. The Lord builds up Jerusalem. He gathers the outcasts of Israel. He heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. He determines the number of the stars. He gives to all of them their names. Great is our Lord and abundant in power. His understanding is beyond measure. The Lord lifts up the humble. He casts the wicked to the ground. Sing to the Lord with thanksgiving. Make melody to our God on the lyre. He covers the heavens with clouds. He prepares rain for the earth. He makes grass to grow on the hills. He gives to the beasts their food and to the young ravens that cry. His delight is not in the strength of the horse, nor is his pleasure in the legs of a man. But the Lord takes pleasure in those who fear him and who those whose hope is his steadfast love. Praise the Lord, O Jerusalem. Praise your God, O Zion. For he strengthens the bars of your gates. He blesses your children within you. He makes peace in your borders. He fills you with the finest of the wheat. He sends out his command to the earth. His word runs swiftly. He gives snow like wool. He scatters hoarfrost like ashes. He hurls down his crystals of ice like crumbs. Who can stand before his cold? He sends out his word and melts them. He makes his wind blow and the waters flow. He declares his word to Jacob, his statutes and rules to Israel. He has not dealt thus with any other nation. They do not know his rules. Praise the Lord. That's the reading of God's holy word. Let us pray. Lord, we ask, give us grace to understand your word and to live it out to your glory and honor. For we pray in the name of Christ. Amen. We're going to begin with the how and what of prayer. And I think they're tied in together because as we describe how to praise, then we find out that's what praise is. So I'm, I'm taking those together, the how and the what of praise. You could basically divide it into two sections, and you find this in Psalm 147, who he is and what he does, simply. Who he is and what he does. These are always tied together because what he does reveals who he is. So in verse 5, we've got great is our Lord and abundant in power. His understanding is beyond measure. You see, that's a statement of who he is. But the whole rest of the psalm states what he does in terms of his salvation toward us, in terms of his creation, which reveals how great he is, 
How abundant his power, how beyond measure his understanding is. Look at all that he does that reveals his greatness. So that's a basic thing that we're doing is praising, recognizing all that he is and all that he does. And just as an exercise in the next few days, I would urge you to take out Psalm 96 through 104 or 145 to the end. This is where 147 is found. Psalm 96 through 104, 145 to the end. And just pray through those Psalms. Get a feel for that line after line after line of praise that occurs in these Psalms. But let's break it down a little bit and explore more of how we can praise him for what he does. And that, of course, reveals who he is. First, let's talk some about salvation, praising him for his salvation. We did that in prayer this morning. And I basically was using Ephesians 2 that describes his salvation of how we were lost in sin and how he redeemed us. And I used that as a way to praise him this morning. And so I'm challenging you to take the book of Ephesians and praise your way through Ephesians. Okay? Praise your way through Ephesians. And when you get through with Ephesians, get First Peter. Praise your way through First Peter. And then praise your way through Philippians. And then you'll be on your way to taking verse after verse of Scripture, turning it into praise. And as you go through these different books, you get all kind of colors of the, of the palette of praise, different aspects of His salvation in all kinds of hues and tones. Of his salvation. And as you do this, turn his commands into praise. And here are three words to remember when you think about his commands. Think of his person, his provision, and his promise. His person and provision and his promise in terms of his commands. Because God doesn't just say, hey, love each other. But he tells you about his person. The Holy Spirit of God dwells in you to enable you to love. He provides for you the very death of Christ, which sets you free from your hatred. And he promises that he will work in you to will that which is good in his sight. You see, everything that he is and does is pledged to you in those commands. So every time you come upon a command, you can praise him. Lord, thank you that your Holy Spirit enables me. Thank you that the Lord Jesus is working in my life. Thank you that your power is mine. Thank you that I'm a new creature in Christ. Thank you that all things have become new. In other words, commands themselves can even be turned into praise. And all of your requests to God can be in this same way. Uh, attached to everything that God is. And I think that's what it means to pray in his name. With every request, let it run through the train station. Send your train through the train station of the glory of God, the majesty of Christ, everything that Christ has accomplished, all that God is, even as you pray. So that often when we are praying, as we did uh, the session recently and anointed Larry Brannigan with oil and prayed for him, we prayed so many promises of God. We didn't just say heal him, but we said, oh, Lord Jesus, you are the one who's able to heal anyone. You, you did it again and again when you were on the earth. Oh, Lord Jesus, you've commanded us to pray for healing. 
Lord Jesus, You're the one who parted the Red Sea. Lord, You rule over all powers. You see, not simply praying, heal Him, but praying all the promises of God, all the power of God, bringing before God His own glory in Christ Jesus. And on that basis, asking Him to work on our behalf. So, all of your prayers can have the sweet perfume of praise. And that's why, as we taught in uh, our series on prayer, in, uh, when I was teaching on having devotions, we use a, the acronym ACTS, Adoration, Confession, Thanksgiving, Supplication. But I like the A to be a big A on the bottom, undergirding everything, so that everything we do is laced with adoration. So, that's, much of, that's some of what you see in Psalm 147. Thanking Him for His salvation. He heals the brokenhearted, binds up their wounds, etc. But there's much here about creation, isn't there? Praising Him for His creation. What He does in creation, what He has done, what He will do in creation. And I think one of the best ways to do this is to break creation down into its many different parts so you can really explore the beauty of it. So you could pray probably for several months and never return to the first thing you prayed for as you're thinking through creation. May I give you one illustration, and that is birds. Okay? You're going you're gonna, to you come to just birds, and you're going to praise Him for birds. So you, you start thinking of birds close at hand. Thank you, Lord, for robins and mockingbirds and cardinals and a blue jay and meadowlark and thrasher and bluebird. And then you go to birds of prey and you think of eagles and hawks and falcons. And you can think of different aspects of those or owls and different aspects of owls and how they turn their neck around and how God thought of that and praising him for ostrich and emu for parrots and macaws for a woodpecker. How cool is it that he made up the whole idea and he fixed his brain so he doesn't bash his brains to bits when he pecks. He's got a special brain for this, a special cushion for that, for egrets and herons, for flamingos and their little knees that bend backwards and the wrong. Or they bend forwards and not backwards like ours do. How, what's that all about? OK, the roadrunner or Chickens or turkeys or pelicans or quails and pheasants and doves or ducks and geese and swans, penguins or my favorite growing up, Bob White. Because I was so proud when I learned to whistle loud that I could do a Bob White, you know, and I talked to many of Bob White. I don't know what I told him. I might have made him mad, but I talked to him a lot as a 12-year-old. <clears throat> Hummingbirds. 50 beats a second. And it's a figure eight. 50 times every second for the ruby-throated hummingbird. And these dudes are down in Central America in the, in the winter. And then they move up to Yucatan to fatten up from three grams to six grams, okay, to fly 500 miles, and it takes them about 20 hours over the Gulf of Mexico, and they lose back down to 2.5 grams in the process. 
these things and they and, and actually they they drink nectar or your sugar water just as fuel to go get their bugs, which they eat. So it's really what you're watching is these guys coming up in their camo gassing up to hunt. You know, <laughs> that's really what's going on there. But you see, the joy of exploring and thinking about just this one sliver of God's creation and then honoring him and enjoying him and delighting in him that he thought of every single one of these details. That's what we're made for. We're the only part of creation that can connect the dots. Okay? We're the part of creation that recognizes, that sees and explores and knows what's going on and can praise the Maker for it. Oh, what a glorious thing we've got. We, we get to do. So praise Him for His cre- creation. Take a different slice. You know, I love they, some of the MRIs and the like. They take little slices, you know, of the brain and just go through the whole brain taking slices. Take slices of creation day after day after day. It could be rocks one day. It could be ocean one day. It could be the heavens one day. It could be anything. And just explore. You find that. That's what's going on here. Exploring. Or Psalm 104. He just explores creation. He explores how he feeds animals. He explores the stars. You can feel him do it. And it's interesting, at the end of that Psalm 104, where he explores so much of the creation of God, it's so shocking, because you expect him just to end the Psalm, where, on a great note, may my meditation be pleasing to him, for I rejoice in the Lord, End end of Psalm. And then out of the clear blue, he suddenly says, oh yeah, and by the way, let sinners be consumed from the earth and let the wicked be no more. And you're just shocked. Like, well, dude, <laughs> you have a problem here? I mean, what? You're praising God and then suddenly, whoa, you know. And I think it's because what a great wickedness that he would not be recognized on the earth. Let anyone who will not recognize and honor this God be consumed. Notice, consume from the earth. Let him be taken off the property because he will not acknowledge the one who gives it all to us. We can praise him for culture, for electricity or communications, transportation, industrial production, music, art, architecture, literature, the ability to read. Look around your house. I looked around my house as I thought about this. I'm sitting on a soft chair. I'm looking. I, I, I had used warm water earlier that day. I, I had wooden floor that's so beautiful. Think of everything that went into this floor being underneath my feet. The fridge, the washer, dryer, the windows, the tables, the kitchen utensils. You could just go on and on. Praising Him for large things in culture and individual things in culture. And then praising Him for providence, all the good things that have happened in your life. Events and opportunities and relationships, even difficulties and how you've grown through them, how He's carried you through them, how He sustained you and protected you in them. So, get to it. Praise this God. This is some of what it means to praise him. It's interesting that C.S. Lewis and Piper follows him in this. 
says that praise is the consummation of our joy in Him. Now, that means it's not just a tack on thing. It's not just that we're joyful in Him and then we express our joy. It means that praise fulfills our joy in Him, you see. It fulfills. In, in other words, our joy in Him is only fully realized in praise. It satisfies our joy. Our joy wants to go there. It has to go there. I've used the illustration before, but an unranked team like Baylor plays Texas toward the end of the season. And Texas is ranked number one, let's say, headed for the championship. And Baylor wins the game on a field goal as the seconds run out. Can you imagine what's going to happen? The bedlam and the cheering and the arms in the air and the yelling and the roaring and the dancing and everybody's on the field. And then you have to talk about it for years afterwards, you know. I can't believe I knew it was like a 48-yard field goal. I just knew it was going to miss it. There's no way Baylor's going to win. And then when it went through, I know, I was right there, man. It just, just on and on. And of course, if you're not a Baylor fan, you're just sick of it in two minutes, you know. But... Um, You see, you have to talk. You just have to. You can't stop it. And that's what they mean is that that when we know him and sense him and see him and, and come to grips with him, we have to express ourselves. It's the same with my wife. I, I, I just have to tell her how good she looks. I just have to. It's not, it's not a labor. It's not, oh yeah, tell her how good you look. Honey, you're pretty. You know, that kind of thing. <laughs> and I just love this card that I found. <clears throat> it says, for my wonderful wife, there's a little bird on the front. <clears throat> He's got little hearts coming from his head. And <clears throat> he says, we've been together for a while, but I still remember that magical moment. I looked at you and thought, Wow. What an irresistible babe. And he puts his head out like that. I think it was this morning. (laughs) And then I wrote in, or maybe five minutes ago. (laughs) But you see, this is an overflow of our joy. But here's something I want to put kind of side by side with that. It is a consummation of our joy. But we need a joy to consummate. Okay, that's our problem. Say, oh, it's a joy. It's a consummation of our joy. But there's a kind of catch-22 here. It is the consummation, but what if we don't have that joy? How do we get that joy? How do we develop this life of praise, this heart of delight in Him? And so that's why I think there's another approach or side-by-side with it. And that is to enter into praise. And I would say this, praise Him until you praise Him. You get what I mean? Praise Him with your mouth until you praise Him with your heart and your life. So that your mouth is like this engine that's pulling the train cars of the house. Pulling along the rest of your life. Sometimes the mouth has to jump in the water and yell back at the heart and say, Jump in, the water's great. And pull you in. Pull your whole life in. So, praise until you praise. Stir up your heart. Stir up your emotions. I would say this. Seek to be in awe of God. And this is bad grammar, but seek to get in awe of God. Get in awe of God. 
That's our command. Be be in awe. Praise him. Joyfully sing before him. That's not saying go through the motions. It's saying your whole life should be lit with fire of praise and joy. It's a command. And we can't resist it. We can say, Lord, I can't accomplish it by myself. We can pray with the psalmist in Psalm 51. Lord, open my lips and my mouth will declare your praise. Okay, we can acknowledge our weakness. We can say it's only by your Holy Spirit that I can do this. But, oh, Lord, I will not rest until you enable me to live a life of praise. So get in awe of him. Stand in awe of Him. Be amazed at Him. Get amazed at Him. Get your heart filled with adoration and gratitude. And be so filled with the kind of humility and adoration, gratitude and joy, that you want to give yourself away to Him. That you want to give your life up to His will and to His ways. That's what true worship and praise is. And that's why so often in Scripture when it talks about a sacrifice offered up to God, of praise, it's a sacrifice of your life given up to His will. That's a vital part of this praise. It's just a joke if we're you know, expressing ourselves in the greatest way possible, all emotion in the world, and yet we're not given up to do His will. So as you seek Him in the Word, seek to praise Him. Maybe that could even be your goal in the weeks to come. Get that practice that my goal as a result of getting in the word is to find the gold of God himself to enter into this mini sanctuary, this kind of tent of meeting with the word and God and not just to learn what to do or facts about God, but to go to the word to end up in praise, to end up in worship. For my life to go forth in praise and worship. Now, that's some of what, how and what praise is. But I want to end with the second part here. Why? Why praise? And Psalm 147 has praised the Lord. We try to explore what does he mean? What, what is that praise? How do we praise But then here's the reason for it is good to sing praises to our God. It is pleasant and a song of praise is fitting. Uses words. That last word is a word used in Song of Solomon in describing how handsome he is or how lovely she is uh, or other people describing the beauty of a place or or goodness is used throughout the scripture to talk about the goodness of creation, a good land, good food, just the standard word good. It is good. It is good. It is fitting. It's beautiful. It's lovely. It's pleasant. Here's another uh, meaning there uh, that's that's in our translation. It is pleasant to do so. And you can think of it in terms of this good in two ways. Good because it is right. It's an essential part of human goodness. It's the right thing to do. And then good because it's good for you. Okay. Now, I always thought, you know, it would be so tremendous if bluebell ice cream was good for you. You know, it's good. But if it was only good for you, if it was only right and good for you, well, praise is the right thing to do. We're going to see how it's 
absolutely opposed to all evil and how enriching it is for your life. It is good in every sense of the word. It is the appropriate thing to do. It is the right thing to do because it is a vital part of human goodness in contrast to human evil. By nature, we do not do good. We read this in Romans 3. There is none who does good. And it's interesting where Paul began in Romans 3 as he concludes the fact that there is none who does good. He started in Romans 1 saying they did not honor him as God as they saw his works in creation. They did not honor him as God or thank him. So the refusal to praise is at the root of all human wickedness. Hear me, the root of your wickedness and my wickedness and every human being's wickedness is our refusal to praise and love and adore God. And it's the root of all of our misery as well. So by nature, we don't recognize him. By nature, we're not amazed and we don't express it to him. We tend to live without gratitude to God. That was the sin of even Israel. Deuteronomy 28:47 because why will I judge you because you did not serve the Lord your God with joyfulness and gladness of heart because of the abundance of all things. It is the heart of our evil against God is that we refuse to honor him. Imagine a girl who was Born to you, a daughter. And imagine, let's say, let's put it in the third person, a daughter born in this family. And she has an incredible capacity to draw. And she begins, even at three and four years old, to bring the most amazing pictures home. And her mother is just is pretty astounded, you know, and the teacher is astounded. And she sends notes back. She says, I'm amazed at her ability And every time she shows one of the pictures to her dad, he doesn't even look up from his paper. She goes, look what I did, Dad. Uh Uh-huh. That's all he does. Four years old, five years old, six years old. She develops her talent. She becomes known in the town for somebody who's doing amazing art. She puts on a show at nine years old. And her 12 of her pieces are displayed at school. Her dad doesn't even come. He never acknowledges that she can even do anything. All the way through, even into young adulthood, he has never looked at a painting. He has never said a word to her about it. You think, that's where you get to a point of saying, that is an evil omission, right? That's an evil thing. What... Whatever's broken and messed up in that guy, and you'd have to say something is wrong with him bad. That he would not look at the wonderful things that his own daughter does, and she wants him so bad to notice it, but he won't even look at it. You think, how could he do that? And that's the feel of Romans 1, you see. God displaying his glory, man turning from that. And immersing himself in anything but God's glory. And it's like the, the scriptures say, how, how could you immerse yourself in such evil? How could you neglect this God? <clears throat> Not to say that we could break God like 
that might break that little girl's heart. But the evil of it, the incongruency of it, all of creation has as its purpose the glory of God. And we are to lead the way. We're the only intelligent ones on this earth that can truly praise Him. And of course, the whole point of His salvation, the whole point of His salvation must be to restore us to a life of praise. So Peter says, 1 Peter 2.9, You are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for His own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of Him who called you out of darkness into His marvelous light. It is the reason you've been redeemed. That you might live a life of praise. It is good to praise Him. It is the right thing to praise Him. By creation itself and then by His redemption calling us to Himself that we may praise Him. It is a vital part of His salvation. It is right that we would do so. But it's not only right. It is good for us. You get the feel of here. It is good to sing praises to our God. And certainly this embraces the the justice of it and the righteousness of it. But many times this word is used to talk about the goodness and the well-being. Like Deuteronomy 10.13 says, Keep the commandments and statutes of the Lord which I am commanded you today for your good. You see, this is for our good to sing praises. It is befitting. It is pleasant. It wears well. It is fulfilling and it liberates us as we sing His praises. It's interesting in Romans 1 that as Paul turns, as Paul talks about the way, the fact that we've turned from God and and refused to worship Him, immediately he points us to sexual immorality, what happened in our lives. In other words, if we refuse our God-made passion for Himself, then our passions immediately, they must run to idols and evil pleasures in a vain attempt to find their satisfaction. We're made for the pleasures of praise. And it's just incredible to see in that first chapter, as we refuse to honor Him, how we run after idols and run after sexual pleasure of the worst kind. I'm not talking about legitimate God-given pleasure within marriage, but anything but that. In a desperate, desperate attempt to try to replace the praise of God. That's what it is in Romans 1. Leave the praise of God and you begin to die. You begin to die. You begin to wither up. You begin to grasp things that would destroy you, but you don't care because you're trying to save yourself. We're made... For God, we're made to feast on God. And the way we feast on Him is to praise Him and to take pleasure in Him, to enjoy Him as we've described it. So, it is good. It is good for you. A good life, then, is one that's given to God's praise. 
a life of abundance, of rest and peace, of purpose and meaning, of hope and joy, of love and compassion and even selflessness. It's bound up in praise. Praise enables us to perceive God. It makes God real to us when we take the materials of the word and they and it goes from being an abstract piece of information to us to something that is real to us. It takes him out of these descriptions and makes him live and breathe in our lives as we praise him. He goes from words on a page to filling us. It takes the majesty of God and brings it home to our understanding and emotions. It's praise then clarifies God. It it crystallizes. It puts him into focus for us as we concentrate on praising him. It it helps us to know Him and to believe Him. It brings Him right in front of us and enables us to live in the presence of His glory to maintain this awe and respect of Him. It helps us to remain breathless and humble and grateful before Him. He'll never happen apart from this kind of praise. We can look at God and be detached, gather facts about Him, but when you see Him, And love Him and adore Him. It's like hooking up the Christmas lights. (laughs) And your life begins to be lit up, you know, with the joy of this God. That's why Ephesians 1 is just theology set to music. Paul's describing God's salvation, but it's all set to praise. Blessed be the God and Father of our... And there he goes, praising God for all that He has done for us. Praise is an enemy to atheism. It is an enemy to idolatry. And to neglect praise is to deny God. Praise, though, it clarifies God. Praise renews and changes your heart. It restores a proper perspective in life. That God is king and God is glorious and God is the creator and God gives us all things, all things to his people. Praise reassesses life. It realigns your life. It recalculates your priorities. It resets your humanity to its proper specifications. Okay, that's what praise does for you. It's one of the greatest repairs you can undergo. It straightens out everything in us. It turns us right side up. It heals us. It's like an incredible series of surgeries to correct this terrible, unsightly deformity of our humanity in which God is not honored and treasured. A human being living without praise is a terrible thing. It is the waste of a human life. It nourishes your soul. It builds you up. It reconstructs you. It restores hope and peace and purpose. It creates motivations, good motivations in your life. It cultivates those motivations and sustains those motivations. It defends you against being touchy and angry and sullen and peevish. It defends you against being quick to anger with your husband or wife. It defends you against whining and self-pity. It defends you against pride. Praise is good for you. 
top to bottom. And you see, praise forms the backbone of obedience. Obedience without praise is just hypocrisy, self-righteousness, self-promotion. If it's not done for his glory, if, if what we are doing is not so that we might be a praise to his name, what is it for? And how can we develop that living unless there's concentrated time in praising the name of this God? Isn't it interesting in Psalm 1611, it says, you make known to me the path of life in your presence. There is fullness of joy. And here's a word used in Psalm 147 at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Why do you think those pleasures are at the right hand of God? Because praise is perfected at the right hand of God. Therefore, we enjoy pleasures forever because our praises are perfected at the right hand of God. Oh, dear brother and sister, enter into a life of praise. And if you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ, I urge you, come and say, Lord Jesus, save me from my sin. You have died. He has died for sinners. He has died so that all of your sins might be forgiven. He has died in order to take your punishment upon you. And that becomes the heart of your praise. The heart of praise is that God Himself would die in my place, taking my sin upon Him. And He offers to you that forgiveness to launch you then into a life of intimate fellowship and joy and praise in Him. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Let us pray. Oh, Lord, we praise You and honor You. You are the great and glorious God who has redeemed us in Christ Jesus. Thank You for Your forgiveness. Thank You for the cross. Thank You, Lord, that though we were Your enemies, yet Christ died for us. Thank You that though our sin was obnoxious and sickening, yet You gave Your Son and would embrace us and smother us with Your embraces and kisses and take us as Your bride forever that we might be redeemed from a destructive life of ignoring God, a life that is devoid of the joy of this delight in the God who made us, men and women truncated and withered like a piece of dead fruit on a vine because we have not even begun to enter into our whole purpose for living And the whole purpose of realizing what we were made for, to live to the praise of God. Oh, Lord, redeem us, save us, that we might live lives of praise to you. For we ask this in the precious name of Christ. Amen.